Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from Season 3, Episode 24, our review of last week's Innovations in Natural Care 2022 conference in Barcelona. This conversation starts with Jeff Lazarus and me discussing the underlying concept and basic goals behind the Innovations in Natural Care Congress, along with Jeff's assessment of how well the event actually achieved these goals. Spoiler alert, the two-word answer is quite nicely. Along the way, Jorn Schottenberg and Louise Campbell joined the discussion, which spend some time on a special closing session before reverting to the conference's goals of bringing together a diverse cast of stakeholders and audience. This conference brought together an exceptionally diverse set of committed fatty liver disease stakeholders, including key NAFLD and NASH opinion leaders, primary care physicians, patient advocates, and digital health entrepreneurs. The conversations were stimulating and insightful and incorporated all those points of view. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. So looking back on the weekend and the inaugural conference, as it was, what did you feel went best about it? And what happened that you might not have expected for good or bad and surprised you? Jeffrey Lazarus. What I thought went best was, aside from everything working, all the logistics, the mics, the video, I was surprised by how many people were online virtually and how the questions came in and you could actually find them on the on the iPad or the tablet and, and, and read it. Everything just worked incredibly smoothly and we have our secretariat really to, to thank for that. Jorn and I were in charge of the scientific program. But what struck me was the palpable energy in the room. It was fun. We had the science, we had leaders in the field presenting, but it wasn't a death by PowerPoint conference. It was engaging. Sometimes people shouted from the audience a question before the mic got there. People answered if it wasn't even their turn. And we just discussed the heck out of all of these issues and such a broad range of issues. And the other thing that impressed me or struck me was that it was very digestible. Um, There were some very complex issues and it was a multidisciplinary meeting. It wasn't that everybody understands hepatology and and NAFLD, you know, to the extent that that the expert presenters did. And in fact, many of the expert presenters did not because they came from general practice. They came from parallel or sibling therapeutic areas. And and we all just discussed with the common cause of trying to address the entire continuum of care around fatty liver disease. I think what impressed me the most is about a five degree twist from exactly what you just said. And I'll get to what I mean by that in a second. But I totally agree. The energy was real. I think that's right. Because I come out of marketing and because I spent my life looking at hype, when I see things like innovations in, I yawn. Now, it was you. I was delighted to participate, but I couldn't figure out what was an innovation really and how it came together. And to me, having sat through it and participated in it and shared and enjoyed it, the innovation was in some degree what you brought together. It seemed to me, I was talking to Marcus about this this morning, that you integrated three separate streams into a single meeting. And that's at least one more stream than I had ever thought about in this context before. On the one end, you have the disease itself, F3, F4, diagnostics, drugs, high-end scientific development in the hand of specialists. Shift one over from there and you get primary prevention. How can we use the ground-level healthcare system as it exists, primary care practitioners, allied professionals, specifically in this case nutritionists maybe, and supporters in diabetology, to do a better job of keeping patients from getting to that F3, F4 point? And then one to the side of that is about patient empowerment, the kinds of stuff, for example, that Marcus was talking about, which is how much data can we provide to patients to help them be truly empowered 
and then what can that what can that or consumers or whatever you want to call them because they may not be patients yet right so the idea of radical patient empowerment which is where i think human edge and mito comes in for example and assiduous of working with primary care and nutrition the kinds of things helen jarvis for example was talking about and then the high end medicine um, all those in the same room at the same time interacting i thought was really a fantastic thing and even more than any of the individual talks became about innovation and several of them were the interplay between the three sets of actors, I thought was was profound in its own right. And maybe that's what led to questions shouted out from the audience and some of the other things you were talking about. Well, thank you. I think actually one of the main innovations was exactly what you just described, that we had so many different people in the room. It wasn't that a new drug trial or clinical trial results were presented, or we now have new non-invasive tests. It was that when we talked about non-invasive tests, usually it's a group of liver specialists saying primary care should do the following. But here we had leading people from primary care saying, this is the problem with what you're saying. So we were presenting and getting real-time feedback, thinking it through and engaging again to find innovative solutions to problems where we're aware, but we usually just don't speak together about them. Okay. So Jeff will be leaving us shortly because he just did a three-hour course in English and Spanish and still recovering from the weekend. But while we've been talking, Jorn popped in at the beginning of the next uh, conversation. Jorn, how are you today? Jorn Schattenberg. Good. Thank you. I see you changed, Jorn. No, I have my Nash t-shirt on. You are? Oh, my God. <laughs> you so need happy. to turn the camera a little bit so we can get you full on. Right now, I've got about half your head sure. and only the N and the A. Yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, go. this was such a unique present from Jeff, uh, and it uh, took me totally by surprise. So uh, I'm, I, I have changed in between, but I put it on for this recording. <laughs> I slept in mine, so I felt at some point I should put it in the wash, but I'll, it'll be back. <laughs> Yeah. For, for those who were not part of the conference, um, the closing number included Jeff taking off his shirt to reveal his Nash t-shirt and then giving Yorn one to put on as well. So they became kind of the flying Nash brothers by the end of the conference. It was uh, it's a look. Next year, we're all going to have to uh, wear our own Nash t-shirts to the event. Could you imagine a picture of the uh, participants where everyone's wearing a Nash t-shirt? Or no Nash. Or no Nash. I'll take that too. We need to work on our theme. It, it, what, yeah, what you do is basically give them the choice of 14 or 16 different color combinations so everyone can get the one that expresses them. Jorn, I don't know how much of this conversation you heard, but what I was saying to Jeff is that I start with a uh, marketer's skepticism about the word innovation. I mean, everything is an innovation if you want it to be. But that what I found so remarkable about this conference after I stepped back was the interplay of different perspectives on what health and health management are. You know, you talked about this when you talked about, we talk about healthcare, but what we really mean is treating sick people. You, you made that comment at one point in the conference. But as I thought about Marcus's presentation and the Mito app, you even go past that. We're now talking about simply how to empower people who want to help themselves. And while what he's talking about right now is expensive and requires a fair amount of data sophistication, over time, that should make its way towards the mainstream as well, I would think. And it winds up being a really, I think, a really uh, exciting and complex picture. I agree. And I think it was the feedback I got. Uh, I mean, I haven't had the time to touch base with Chef and actually get feedback aligned here. But, you know, what people said is this was unique for a number of reasons. And one of the strongest arguments supporting this uniqueness is the is the interplay of the different key stakeholders that we were able to gather in, in Barcelona. So, yeah, I'm going to stay for just a little bit, but um, I've been chairing meetings and starting this new course that you're actually speaking on soon. Never, never ending, but I've, I've just did three hours of it. It was, it was fantastic and exhilarating, but, you know, I'm slowly starving to death and really tired. <laughs> yeah, you've been working all weekend and now this. Yeah. I thought it, it seemed like a good idea. Like, Nash is fresh in my head. I'll just teach it. Here you like, go. Oh piece, of, piece of cake. So I should tell you, I volunteered to become a... Um 
alpha tester for Mido. Oh, wow. But when, when he goes up with it. Um, but I'm thinking you should be, too, although it'll probably scare the crap out of you about how you run your lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little concerned with that. Yeah. So we only have Jeff with us for a few more minutes. Louise, you want any comments or questions you have for Jeff about the event or impressions you want to share that you'd like him to react to? And then when he jumps off, we'll just go do our part of the episode. I thought it was a wonderful meeting. I thought it was uh, generally all round, comprehensive to some extent. What was the most controversial moment, do you think, of the meeting? Well, besides the ending... Um... <laughs> I don't think there was sort of an open controversy, but one thing that struck me was when John Muris, for example, just said, I'm a GP, you're going on and on about non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and alcoholic fatty liver disease. I would just like you to say fatty liver disease with or without alcohol. And he just put a slide up. It was very simple. We are going to continue this global nomenclature process. The consensus statement I'm leading on the methodology, there's almost 300 people involved in all the major associations, but he just put it out very simply. And, it, and so I guess I wouldn't say it was controversial, but it struck me that actually a conversation like that needs to include more than the liver specialists, more than the patients, but actually our colleagues. I don't know what a cardiologist thinks. There are some endocrinologists involved, but just a handful. I don't know what a GP thinks about the names. We know that it's considered by enough people to be stigmatizing that we have to do something about the names. I think that that discussion's over. The question is, is what name do we go for? And I thought he just came up with a very simple solution. I'm not saying it's the, the one I agree with or it's going to go in that direction, but it just struck me that the importance of being multidisciplinary, and in a, I mean, we invited John for that very reason, at least of engaging with GPs, but it reminded me that we often don't go far enough in engaging people and in this big discussion around the name where they keep saying different groups are coming out and saying we have a consensus, we have an agreement. It's actually an agreement among a very small group and often from the same discipline. Louise Campbell. No, I think that's right. Simplifying it sometimes, we do have a habit in medicine and healthcare of overcomplicating things for what we're trying to get over. And I think he's completely right. That whole idea that you can then have a conversation with your patient. I think it could be due to your high alcohol intake, which has high sugar, or it could be due to your dietary preferences. So somebody else can label it within the conversation rather than stigmatize in the name, I suppose. So uh, is he bringing it down to what we all want? To keep it simple, stupid, as Stephen would say. That, Louise, that was my reaction. Those who've ever had this conversation with me know I am no fan at all of MAFL because I don't think it's right. It, or I don't think it's adequately right. I think it captures some of it, but not all of it. I think it will be used inappropriately. And I think the science isn't good enough yet on that issue. I'm much more comfortable. When, when Jean said that, it was the first time I, uh, it almost felt to me like the heavens opened up and somebody actually shined light through for the first time uh, for the reasons we're all saying. You're right. It, it fosters conversation. It's not defensive. MAFL is a defensive response to NAFL. Fatty liver disease is a simple characterization of what it is. And then, as you point out correctly, it leaves room for any form of conversation that needs to happen. It also leaves room for the patient to say, or the person to say, how do you think I might have got that? Which is a far better opening line because it's an engagement. Oh, you've got excess fat in your liver. Oh, how could I have got that? It, it rolls off the tongue. It opens up that conversation um, and it allows you to dig deeper if you have the time. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next week with another episode of Surfing the Nash Tsunami. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.